What does South Carolina's COVID liability bill mean for businesses? Let's go to the bench. Legal news, information, and interviews from Collins and Lacey, a leading South Carolina defense firm for construction, workers' comp, hospitality, retail, trucking, professional liability, mediation, government, and ethics matters. The views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect that of Collins and Lacey, its management, or employees. This is The Legal Bench. And welcome to The Legal Bench. I'm Michael Burney, Director of Business Development for Collins and Lacey Law Firm in Columbia, South Carolina. Collins and Lacey attorney and shareholder Claude Prevost is joined by a special guest, so let's get right to the discussion. Well, on this edition of The Legal Bench, we have attorney Charles Ushery with us this morning. Charles is a lawyer with the firm of Reichert and Protopapis here in Columbia. He's a graduate from Walford College, which is very important graduate of USC School of Law, and he practices personal injury, wrongful death, medical malpractice, nursing home abuse and neglect, and insurance bad faith. Charles, we're glad to have you here with us this morning. Usually you and I talk about barbecue and and good dogs, but uh, today we're going to talk about this new COVID law uh, that's been passed uh, recently in South Carolina. Appreciate you coming on today. Thanks, Claude. I appreciate you having me on the podcast this morning. I am going to be putting some barbecue on the smoker this weekend for July 4th, either ribs or a Boston butt. I hadn't decided which one yet. Um, but uh, I appreciate you having me, and I'm, I'm happy to be here talking about COVID liability in light of uh, Governor McMaster's new bill that's just been passed. That's right. So it's the new, new law is called the South Carolina COVID-19 Liability Immunity Act, and you know, from our different seats at the bar, um, you know, folks can view this law differently, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that uh, about that this morning. Um, generally, it looks like it's aimed to pr- protect businesses. And tell me your aspect or your 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 uh, your view on that. Yeah, it is. It's, it's definitely a, a pro business bill, and uh, you can. Uh, read about that in Governor McMaster's release regarding the bill. It it looks like this applies to basically all businesses in South Carolina. Uh, from my perspective, you know, I handle mostly medical malpractice cases, uh, cases involving nursing home neglect, uh, uh, injuries in assisted living facilities, and things like that. And so, obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic has generated a lot of discussion within the legal community about liability, particularly in the healthcare context. Uh, I, I think that uh, this bill, it's, it's going to provide some extra layer of protection uh, for hospitals, nursing homes, and, and all businesses. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, there are going to be very many cases that are filed, though. Um, uh, you know, from from our perspective, these cases are going to be very difficult because, you know, in any medical malpractice case or nursing home case, you have to prove the standard of care. Uh, and, and you would also have to prove a standard of care uh, with respect to cases involving any other business. And so, you know, plaintiff's lawyers generally struggle with that because, uh, you know, humans have been around for over a million years. And as far as we know, uh, there was uh, no 
um, nobody knew anything about COVID until March of 2020. And so, you know, how do you, how do you establish a standard of care in a personal injury case involving COVID-19 for something that just appeared within the past 18 months or so? Um, you know, I, I understand why businesses are concerned with liability, but, uh, you know, as, as a plaintiff's lawyer, it's, it, I think these cases are, are difficult, and I'm not saying that there are not instances where a case would be justified, uh, but I do think they'd be very, very difficult, and this bill obviously is going to make it even more difficult to, to prove your case. Has the plaintiff's bar thought about how you would go about actually proving that uh, an individual actually contracted COVID-19 from a specific business or hospital? That, that seems to be maybe a hill that would be difficult to climb. Well, and I think that's the, that's the toughest issue in the case is causation. Um, you know, infection cases are really, really difficult just for that reason. You can't, you can't go back in time and discover when someone contracted an infection in every single case. It's very, very difficult to establish that, and, and particularly with COVID, which is so contagious uh, and it's easily transmissible, and it can be transmitted, you know, through particles in the air. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really, really hard to prove that element of your case, causation. What are some things, from your perspective, that individuals, the public, can do to protect themselves or navigate through this new law? You know, for example, documenting situations or keeping good records or, or just besides being careful and, and, and healthy. Well, I think, I think the bill... Uh, captures the uh, spirit of, of what uh, government officials have been telling us over the past 18 months or so uh, in the sense that it, it basically says that if, if you reasonably comply with uh, state authorities' recommendations, then you're going to be immune from liability. And so as long as you're doing what DHEC tells you to do, uh, as long as you're doing what uh, the CDC tells you to do, then you should be okay. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, that it makes sense. It makes perfect sense to me because this is a, it's a brand new thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that uh, we've never dealt with. Part of your practice is insurance bad faith. And before we started the podcast, uh, you and I were talking about, you know, what, what policies may or may not include coverage for uh, a COVID-19 related injury. Could you elaborate on that? Sure. You know, when, when the pandemic first started, a lot of plaintiff's lawyers uh, got excited about the, the prospect of um, filing claims for business interruption uh, because a lot, of, a lot of insurance policies do include some type of coverage for business interruption. And, of course, uh, businesses were shut down for several months after this thing started. And so the damages for those types of claims are astronomical. Uh, and, and the risk, the potential risk for insurance companies is also astronomical. Um, but what, what we discovered as we started to investigate those business interruption policies is uh, the insurance industry several years ago recognized that this was going to be a risk 
a potential major risk down the road. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think maybe around the time that we had uh, the, the uh, bird flu in Asia several years ago, um, the epidemic over there, they inserted virus exclusions into their CGL policies. And so with respect to business interruption claims, there, there are some insurers that did not insert that exclusion, but the vast majority of them did. Uh, and, you know, that exclusion is, is pretty clear. It's called, it's called the virus exclusion. And uh, it pretty clearly says that there's no coverage for any kind of pandemic or any kind of virus. Um, and that same exclusion also applies for the most part to personal injury claims. And so, you know, there's, there's just not much coverage available for uh, these types of, of cases. And perhaps the lack of coverage could impact the number of suits or claims that are filed with regard or related to COVID-19. Right. I, I, you know, we, I, I have not taken on any of these claims. I hadn't seen any uh, business interruption type claims where uh, the insurance policy does not have this virus exclusion. But there are, like I said, there are some of them out there. Um, and there's there's some fortunate business owners and, and fortunate plaintiff's lawyers who have valid business interruption claims. Have you seen any DJ actions regarding uh, any of these coverage disputes? Um, I've, I've read about some. I, I hadn't really delved into them too much. I, I know that there, there are fights throughout the country um, with respect to whether or not the virus exclusion applies and, and things of that nature, but... Uh, the policies that I've looked at and examined are all pretty clear, and they say there's no coverage for any kind of pandemic or, or virus. So in South Carolina right now, we have some new laws that are hopefully help to balance public policy and public health concerns. And it remains to be seen whether or not an individual could bring a COVID claim or COVID-related injury claim against a business or a hospital as the law stands and as the policies are written today, right? Um, I, look, you can you can bring a claim. I mean, I I, I was reading through a complaint um, a couple of weeks ago that I I think I, I mean I think the case has legs, and and it was you know the the crux of of that claim was not just the the fact that someone contracted COVID nineteen in a healthcare facility. You know, I, I think I think that I, I think that is a very very difficult case to to establish. You know, you can't just say I got COVID and it's your fault. I think that that's an almost impossible case to prove. But in this particular case, what what was alleged was that the facility that the plaintiff was in was aware that there was a COVID outbreak among staff members within that healthcare facility. And uh, they kept that knowledge, they withheld that knowledge from a patient who was admitted to the facility. And they, they did not inform the patient of uh, the coronavirus outbreak within the facility. She was discharged. Uh, several of her family members then contracted coronavirus uh, who lived in the household with her and so it's a little bit easier to establish causation under those circumstances. And 
uh, several of her family members were hospitalized. And uh, I, I think that in, in those circumstances, I could, see, I could see that being a valid claim. It's not really, you know, it's not medical malpractice. It's a simple failure to inform your patient that they've been exposed to COVID and then a failure to test the patient before sending the patient back home to an environment where they're in close proximity to their loved ones. And I, I can see liability potentially under those circumstances. Well, in this new law, there are, um, you know, lab uh, immunity exclusions. And it sounds based on the, you know, the facts that you've relayed that under section four of uh, the new law that, perhaps immunity wouldn't apply to that business because that was, seems maybe like a willful uh, or intentional misconduct, possibly or allegedly by withholding that information. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I, I think that you could potentially convince a jury that that's grossly negligent. And, and that's, that's really the standard that, that you're held to as a healthcare facility is, is gross negligence. That's the, the, the lowest... Uh, burden of proof that you have is gross negligence uh, and obviously it goes up from there to recklessness willfulness and intentional misconduct um, but that's a pretty that particular case is a pretty simple easy thing to understand um, you know you just gotta if, if you're a healthcare provider and you know that nurses in your facility have have treated your patient I, I feel like you've got an obligation to to make sure that they know that, uh, to test them, and uh, you know at, to to notify them that they've been exposed. I mean, it's just a very basic thing, um, and so I think that could potentially be a grounds for gross negligence for sure. Well, Charles, thank you again for coming on this morning. Again, Charles Usher is with the law firm of Riker and Protopapis here in Columbia. And uh, we appreciate your time and insight this morning. Thank you, Claude. And for the latest business news of interest to South Carolina businesses, join us right here for the next episode of The Legal Bench. You've been listening to The Legal Bench from the South Carolina defense firm, Collins & Lacey. Learn more at collinsandlacey.com.